Praise God, that's the story that we're seeing unfurled, revealed through the story of the Acts of the Apostles, God's glory going out into all the world, God walking with his people, his church. And so today's message, today's message is the penultimate one. Uh, Next week is our final message, Lord willing, in Acts. Uh, We'll be beginning a new series the week after, uh, on the 25th, in the book of Revelation. Uh, If that perhaps piques your interest, then why not come and join us for that series through Revelation. But today and next week we'll be completing Acts 28, uh, our Life in the Spirit series. Um, Today's message is entitled, Paul Journeys On with God and His People. Paul journeys on with God and his people, and we see that journey continuing. We see the flavor of how Paul's ministry is continuing, how Paul's spirit is at at peace in the Lord, uh, even though he faces unknowns and challenges in the days ahead. So why don't you, if you have your Bible with you, why don't you turn to Acts 28. You'll be helped to read along with us in uh, just a few moments as we read that next portion of Scripture. Those of you who were here two weeks ago uh, will remember that we saw Paul and his companions uh, on the island of Malta. They'd been shipwrecked there. Uh, The vessel was completely destroyed. Uh, All 276 of the passengers on board were saved by the gracious hand of God. And they had wintered there in the island, uh, on the island. It tells us in verse 11 of chapter 28. That's the island of Malta uh, in the Mediterranean Sea. Many today, uh, including my sister-in-law and her family, are hoping to holiday on Malta this year. Uh, The pandemic has so often curtailed our freedoms uh, especially freedoms to travel overseas. Apparently the good news for holidaymakers is that if you've had your two jabs, you will not need to quarantine when visiting Malta uh, or uh, many other destinations this summer. But will the jabs help you or will they harm you? How can we know who leads the way? Who is captain of your ship? Well, the answer to those questions is vitally important as to whether you're going to be living in fear or whether you're going to be stepping out boldly in faith to take a hold of the commission that God has given you. That's what we see with Paul, after all. Uh, Paul was under a constant quarantine on his journey. He was under the constant watchful eye of Roman guards on his journey, the watchful eye of the centurion or the guard of the door at his house in Rome, as we'll read this morning. Paul was not free, was he? How was it that Paul was able to know peace and joy in the midst of an uncertain and dangerous situation as Paul approached the lion's den? Well, as we'll see today, Paul's figurehead mattered. The God of Israel, 
his Redeemer and Lord, went ahead of him and went with him. This was how Paul had peace and how he had confidence for the future, whichever direction it took. Let's read on together from verse 11 of Acts 28. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day the south wind came up and on the following day we reached Puteoli. There we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming and they travelled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Praise God for his word. Such a rich narrative, such an engaging uh, story. Uh, of course, all the best stories are real stories, real life stories. And this is no exception. If you're taking notes this morning, then uh, I've got three F's for you. Uh, hopefully this sermon this morning is not going to be a, an F-graded sermon, uh, but I've got three F's for you. Firstly, figureheads. Secondly, friends and fellowship. And last of all, faith and fulfillment. Figureheads, friends and fellowship, faith and fulfillment. Firstly, figureheads. The world is a fearsome place. There are many dangers, as we've seen in the life of Paul. The sea was a huge danger. The opponents of the gospel seeking to ambush and tear down all manner of illnesses, plagues and difficulties threaten us. We need to make sure that we have the right God, the only God on our side. Like with the ancient Israelites who travelled through the wilderness with God leading the way. Remember the Israelites travelling through the wilderness? They had God with them day and night. During the daytime a great pillar of smoke, a great pillar of cloud leading the way. By night a pillar of fire. They recognised that they could not conquer the land and fulfil their mission without their God going ahead of them. And neither could Paul. And neither can we. Friends, whoever leads our ship, whoever is the figurehead on our vessel, is vitally important. What do we mean by figurehead? Well, as we read in the, in the text today, we see the figurehead, uh, literal figurehead, at the head of this ship that Paul is on, 
uh, is a figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. These are two brothers uh, who were semi-divine, semi-gods in the Greek pantheon of gods. Surely representatives once more of the pagan culture of the day where there were gods to fit every occasion. There were household gods. There were gods for each little locality, each village, each town, each nationality. These gods could be unpredictable, capricious, incapable. After all, they were idols fashioned by the hand of man, made out of wood or metal, sometimes even precious metal or stone, unable to hear their petitioners. Our queen is a figurehead. We see her image on our money and on our stamps, visibly as the leading patron and role model in our country's public life. But is she more than just a figurehead? Does the Queen have any real power and influence? In our modern parliamentary democracy, the power lies in the legislature, our government, which sets the agenda, and the Houses of Parliament, which debates and votes on laws. Then, Her Majesty the Queen sets her seal on those laws to give them royal assent, making them authoritative as law. The extent to which our Queen has real power and influence is something which is debated. But what cannot be debated is that our chosen figureheads, those that lead and influence our lives, are important. Because they shape us. They will lead us. The question is, how do they shape us? And where do they lead us? Today is the beginning of the Muslim Hajj season. The pilgrimage to Mecca. Culminating in the feast of Eid al-Adha. Which commemorates the sacrifice of the ram by Abraham. Though Muslims are taught that the son of promise was Ishmael and not Isaac. I wonder if you knew that this morning. You see, whether you follow Muhammad or Jesus is vitally important. Friends, there is only one line of promise and fulfilment. Your figurehead, your God, is vitally important. There are differences between different faiths and different ideologies. Do you know the difference? Do you know the difference that Jesus makes? Friends, the God of the Bible is way more than just a figurehead. Is he more than just a figurehead to you? Is he more than just an idea to you? More than just an insurance policy in your back pocket for that day of judgment? 
if the God of Scripture, the God of Israel, is our God, then there are two things that God will give us to help us on our journey. And those are the things we're going to look at next. Friends and fellowship, and faith and fulfilment. God will give us, if if the God of the Bible, if Jesus Christ, his Son, is our God, is our figurehead, then he will give us two things that we're going to see in the text this morning. He'll give us friends and fellowship, and he'll give us faith and fulfilment in order to help us throughout our lives and to experience the difference that he makes. Firstly, let's consider friends and fellowship. We've heard, haven't we, about all Paul's enemies, about all Paul's differences, about the various trials that he was put through, about the various dangers that he faced. Well, he knew, and we can find out, that in a world full of enemies, God will provide us friends and fellowship. Paul knew that this was crucial above all things, and this was why he was so keen to invest in and build up the church. It's why he wrote so many impassioned letters, and why he took such great care to encourage church leaders and to check up on the churches that he planted. He wasn't just spinning around like some Tasmanian devil going from place to place, creating a furore and getting his name known and filling his bank account. He was building. He was building with quality materials a church that would stand the test of time, that would carry forth faithfully and clearly the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the hand of God's providence in establishing a church at Rome, at the heart of the empire. All roads led to Rome, and all shipping lanes also led to Rome. Paul's ship, his current ship, was a ship of Alexandria, we're told in verse 11. And a ship which comes from Alexandria was most likely loaded with grain from North Africa to feed the huge and growing population of the world's largest city. Rome. Well, friends, the church is how God feeds his people with what we really need. And at Rome was a church that was already established. Did you notice this? The church at Rome was already established before Paul arrived. This wasn't one that he was involved in founding. But he was involved in encouraging this church. So who did found the church at Rome? Who did found the church at Rome? Looking for an answer. Well, I'll give you an answer. The Lord God himself founded the church at Rome. God is the one who builds his church. God is the one who will build this church. It's not the wise or clever words that Pastor Ben speaks or whoever sits in this pulpit. God himself is the one who brings his word to life. He is the one who gives the spirit, his spirit to his people and who leads us to lives of service within the church. He is the one 
who will build this church. He uses men and women like us to do it. So this morning I want to ask you, is your vision of the church the biblical one? That through the mess of stumbling and imperfect people like us, God's great glory is revealed as he supplies the wonders and the energy. That's what we're seeing, isn't it, in the pages of scripture? That's what we're seeing in the various churches that Paul planted and visited and wrote letters to. There were all sorts of problems uh, popped up that needed addressing. God's grace is enough for us to deal with whatever comes. God supplies the vision, where we're to go and who we're to serve with the gospel. He supplies the power to forgive each other when we let each other down. He is the one who leads the way in a world which is so sure about the direction it wants to travel in. When the world wants to go the opposite direction to the one set out by its creator. And when it fights tooth and nail to press on and silence the voice of truth. What do we do? Well, what did Paul do? We follow Christ. The Christ who pressed on regardless and suffered humiliation, torture and death as he stood in the way of the progress of the world and its agenda. See, the progress of the world is not progress at all. It's an illusion. It's a delusion. If you want to know where progress is found, it's in the pages of Scripture. It's in the truth of God. It's in the light of Christ. That's where you will grow. That's where you'll be satisfied. That's where you'll find a home and amongst those who bear the same name as you. What does the word tell us? For the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross, despising the shame. Friends, the centre of our message is the centre of the gospel, of a crucified Christ who is necessary to save us, to snatch us from the jaws of death. Friends, death is real. It's coming to each and every one of us. It's coming at a great rate of knots. And the world will have us head there quicker. And irredeemably so. Christ is the only way. Christ's mission was to save and redeem his brothers. And now, says Hebrews 12, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I've told you before, what is the significance of the right hand of the throne of God? It's the action seat. It's the place where things happen. Christ is the right hand, the power of God, the agency of God to get things done in your life. Jesus knew that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. So Paul writes to the church at Rome in chapter 8 and verse 29. Firstborn among many brothers. And those brothers 
plural. There are many of us. Adelphoi. Brothers and sisters. Have you ever wondered about the word Adelphoi? You probably just read it as brothers, or brothers and sisters, in your translation. Well, the word Adelphoi literally means those from the womb. Those from the same womb. We're to have the same origin. But how can that be? I hear you asking. Jesus, the man from heaven, whose father was God himself. How can we have the same origin? If we are born again. If we share the same life in the spirit. A life of faith and fulfilment. Friends, these brothers and sisters, this fellowship are our friends and supporters, just like we see with Paul. Look around. Look around this morning, to your left and your right. Don't just look at me, look at each other. I apologise in advance if you've got a cricked neck and can't look around very easily. Just have a look around at each other. If you're online this morning, have a look at the gallery view of your brothers and sisters. They are your friends and supporters for your journey. Are they refreshing you? Are they the cause of thanksgiving and fulfilment for you, as with Paul? How are you investing in and supporting your friends here? When was the last time you invited someone or a family over to your place? For hospitality. When was the last time you prayed with or studied the Bible one to one with one of your brothers or sisters? Now, I'm not here to slam you. I know there are many of you who do that. Praise God. Praise God. But we could all do more, couldn't we? We could all pick up the slack a bit more. Now's the time to start picking up the slack, not just because Boris might open things up, but because we have a commission, we have a vision, we have a great God and Saviour who has set his stall out. Come and talk to me if you want some ideas. Come and tell me if you have a vision. Let's move forward in faith and fulfilment. Verse uh, 15, I think it is. Tells us that Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Uh, It's also translated as Paul thanked God and took courage. So was encouraged. What did Paul thank God for? Why did Paul need courage? Well, in order to help answer that, I want us to read from Romans chapter 1 and verse 8. We're going to just read that. If you've got that available, open it up. Romans chapter 1. It's just the very next book after Acts of the Apostles. And we'll read from verse 8 in the first chapter. Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. 
because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in all my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am bound both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteous that is a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So what we're seeing in Acts 28 is the fulfilment of this hope, the fulfilment of this aspiration of Paul to go to Rome. So we can praise God. God has finally fulfilled this uh, longing of Paul's to go to Rome. Why has this all come to pass? Well, because God was Paul's figurehead. Paul was in communion with the Lord God himself through the Spirit. And God answered his prayers. Paul came to Rome to preach the gospel of Jesus, we're told. Look in verse 9 of chapter 1 of Romans. I serve God with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son. Verse 13. I plan many times to come to you in order that I might have a harvest among you. Verse 15. I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. This is Paul's lifeblood. This is Paul's motivation this is his whole reason for living to give God the glory and so God fulfilled Paul's deep desire to join with his brothers in Rome are you rejoicing with me are you rejoicing with me what God's done in Paul's life are you rejoicing with me at what God's done in your life what he could do in your life if you walk with him like God walked with Paul. Friend, God went ahead of Paul. But bold and fruitful as he was, Paul wasn't the trailblazer. He wasn't the captain of the ship. Jesus was the captain of his ship. And he could be captain of your ship too. So figure out who is the head of your ship 
and your family's ship. Because we're hurtling towards a conclusion. It's not kick-off. It's almost time for the final whistle, friends. It's time to decide who is your figurehead. Who is captain of your ship. You see, with Jesus as Lord of your life and captain of your family's ship, you will find that you'll be able to brave any storm. You'll be able to navigate any waters, even the waters of bereavement, the waters of illness, the waters of economic disadvantage. And you'll be able to face any fearful situation. Not only will you be able to face them, you'll be able to face them joyfully, buoyed by the fellowship of faith and the thankfulness that flows from a relationship with the King. The King who bought your freedom with his own blood. Shall we pray?